Hello and welcome. My name is Sam Lishtak. I am the owner of Absolute EHS, Environmental Health and Safety Consulting and Support Services. Today, I'm here with my dear friend, Deborah DeLorenzo, who is the owner of Positive Psychology Life Coaching here in Ithaca. And we are going to talk about basically how to keep your cool in this pandemic. Um, <laughs> hi, Deborah. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk about this and to kind of work with me on this. Is it, I experienced it in my own life and you experienced it in your life. And, and it's just, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure always when we can share and learn from each other, which is why I think we're all here to begin with anyway. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. So my, my experience really, when it comes to psychology, really goes back to disaster psychology. So a pandemic hits, we first hear about it, um, you know, in foreign lands, and um, suddenly everybody's buying toilet paper, everybody's buying hand sanitizer, everybody's, <laughs> it's, it's disaster psychology. You go back to the last time something horrific happened, which in our case is usually a natural disaster when we use utilities mm -hmm. or weapons. So the toilet paper goes flying um, and we get into that kind of lizard brain auto response uh, survival mode. But at this point in time, throughout the globe, some people have been quarantined for months. Some people uh, mm -hmm. only just started. Some people are already coming out mm -hmm. of quarantine and isolation. There's a lot of just, you know, information up in the air. People are doing different things, um, but we're getting out of that fight or flight fight or flight mentality. And we need to figure out as a society how to keep, uh, keep our stuff together in the long run. Um, because this could, this could look, this could be what it looks like for the next 24 months, according to one of the recent articles that I read. Um, mm -hmm. so depending on, you know, everybody's got a different situations. Some of us are alone in an apartment in New York City. Some of us are, you know, in sprawling areas. Some of us have disabilities um, or need more assisted help, more assistance. Uh, some of us are barricading themselves in the bathroom with their three-year-olds knocking on the door. Not that that's specific enough to <laughs> point to anybody in particular. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of um, so I really wanted to discuss with you just what are, what are we supposed to be doing? How can we keep our cool um, with everybody suddenly home all the time, or in, or in some cases, nobody coming to your home anymore because you're used to being the host and having friends over. Um, well, way to touch on the <laughs> one of the biggest painful parts for me right at that very end about being able to get together with your friends and family, but um, we'll, we'll address that. The first thing I would say is I really like the way you acknowledged that even though we're all experiencing this simultaneously, we're all experiencing this very differently. There are all sorts of situations. There are all sorts of challenges. Not everyone has the same challenge. Not everyone has the same resources. So it's important to acknowledge that I may be, I may be experiencing this in a completely different way than you. It's still stressful for both of us. So some of the things that I'm going to suggest or some of the things that people are doing may not work for everyone, but in general, human beings are a lot more alike than they are different. And so some of the things that we're going to talk about are things that definitely could probably benefit most people. But it is important to acknowledge that people's experiences of this are, are very different. And 
and that that's there's no one size fits all. Um, you know, we're all very unique, and we all bring different strengths to this. And so I would say that one of the things is important is to acknowledge that you really the thing that this is a marathon, not a sprint. And you said that yourself, and you've been saying that for a long time. And I, it's really helped me wrap my head around. This isn't a reaction for the next couple of weeks or months. This is a, this is a, it's important to create a lifestyle where we can all flourish, not just survive, but flourish. And I do believe that is possible, but I think we have to just let go of any way it used to be, unless it's a, it's a thing that's serving you right now, the thing that's helping you with your resilience. So the first, I think the first most important step about resilience, because that's what I want to talk about is creating your own resilience recipe. Everybody has different strengths. Everybody has different practices that really contribute to being resilient and being able to thrive, which is our goal. Our goal is to thrive, not just survive. Um, so self-compassion is the starting point. And I would say maybe it's the container for everything that you could be doing or I could be doing or any of us could be doing is having self-compassion, having compassion for yourself that things are just too stressful and you need to go lock yourself in the bathroom while your three-year-old bangs on the outside of the door, which I have done in the past. And I highly recommend if that's where you need to go for those few moments. And I think, you know, you can have, I can have self-compassion for the fact that I have trouble keeping up my daily yoga practice, even though I know it will support my health and well-being. It's um, a lot of people are reporting uh, very short attention spans. They're, they're very distracted. And, and I've experienced that myself. It's just, it's odd. My, my cousin described it as my hummingbird <laughs> attention span lately. And I, I, I agree with her and she's in banking and she's in a very stressful banking situation. So, so what works for her um, is listening to uplifting podcasts and meditating every day. Those are some things that people are turning to. And, and it's important to understand this is, again, this is going to be a long haul. Um, it's important to figure out what your recipe is, what my recipe is for calming that lizard brain of fight. It's, it's that, not just fight or flight. There's also, and this is what I've experienced a lot of, and I think other people have too, fight, flight, or freeze. So I've had a fair bit of paralysis and being frozen um, which here's here's one of my techniques for if you find yourself paralyzed or frozen this has helped me immensely and i learned this in my positive psychology certificate program that i that i took uh we read a book called lessons from improv i think was the title of it and it's it's a book written by a woman who taught improvisation at i think uh uc berkeley and one of the things that happens if you're doing improv, which we're all doing, by the way, we're all improvising. Many, many, many of us every day are improvising new, new ways of being in this. The question you ask yourself in improv when you're on stage and you're supposed to react or initiate an action is, what is my purpose right now? So it's not what your purpose is two months from now. It's not what your purpose is next week. It's not what your purpose is tomorrow. What is your purpose right now because sometimes it can be overwhelming and there can be so many things you feel like you need to get done or you need to respond to but usually there is one thing that kind of bubbles up to the very top that what is my purpose right now and for me when i was standing frozen in the kitchen earlier this morning i'm like oh what is my purpose right now i need to start my day i have so many things to do but what really <laughs> what came for me and what helped me get started was i needed to refill the coffee bean container 
with the coffee beans that I got yesterday at Wegmans. And I'm like, I'm just going to start by refilling the coffee bean container. That's going to be my one, my, what is my purpose right now? Refilling the coffee bean container. And it doesn't matter if it's coffee beans or I don't know, restocking the toilet paper or whatever the thing is. It's what is your purpose right now? And that can help lead you out of the freeze of fight, flight, or freeze. So that's a thing I would, I, I have carried that piece of paper that says, what is my purpose right now in my purse for years? And I wrote, rewrote it before I knew we were going to be talking today because I really wanted to share that. It's, it's a small thing, but I think it can really help people move forward. And movement is the other thing I would really recommend any kind of movement, indoors, outdoors, to music. I highly recommend having a dance party in your kitchen or wherever you have the most space to move around. And if you're wearing socks, it's easier to twist around. Um, movement. Movement is really, really important. It de-stresses us and it brings, um, especially if you get your heart rate going, uh, it can bring the endorphins, um, which is, helps with our, with our stress and our lizard brain. It helps bring us back to a peace and calm and groundedness because I realize I'm blabbering on, but inside every one of us, and this is what's important to reach when you try to meditate or do breathing, and just thinking about it, I can hear my voice change. Inside each one of us is a calm center that's not afraid. Every single one of us has that in there. And, and the, the trick or the, not that it's not a trick, what would be beneficial to everyone is to remember that and to figure out what is our pathway to that. If it's breathing, if it's yoga, if it's laughing hilariously with your little kids while you have a dance party in the kitchen, whatever can bring you back to that calm, unafraid center and find a way to go there every day. And for some people like me, um, I need it to be a solitary time for me. Uh, not everybody feels that way, but that's for me. I like to be outside, I like to be solitary. Um, for me, it was this morning um, watching the birds outside on my deck while I was writing in my journal, which is one of my foundational practices. It's not everyone. Everyone. Some people need to be much, way more active. But I think that I would recommend people find five things. <laughs> I don't know why five is the number. Why five? I don't know. Because um, whatever, whatever number you think is your number you could find to try to, to just make your recipe like every day for your resilience. What is your, what is your resilience recipe for every day? And it, it's probably going to change. It's probably going to change. But I think for me, it's movement. For me, it's music. For me, it's nature, um, connecting with people because I'm an extrovert that's now confined um, and relying on technology to maintain my connections with people. So those are four of my things. Um, I think it's, I'm sure I have a fifth one in there somewhere. But well, I love your suggestion for I mean, dance party and journaling. Um, can't really do a lot of people watching, but especially for the people stuck in the Bay Area or New York City, you know. Oh yeah. Some of them are just stuck in a studio apartment with three to five people, um, and they, yeah. they can't get away. Um, yeah. I guess is where you get to make a calendar rotation of who gets to take a 15 minute shower <laughs> to have your own time. <laughs> but um, it's, you know, it's funny you mention uh, your lists because I, uh, I caught myself writing myself a schedule because I keep thinking, oh, I got to clean again. Oh my gosh, there's so much laundry. I don't know why there's so much laundry. We're all in pajamas all day. And we change, 
the night pajamas, but there's like an incredible amount of laundry. Um, I agree. <laughs> so I ended up breaking up all the chores. Um, I divided it by seven. And excellent. Basically, excellent. I, I love this. Put a list up in my kitchen and I just say, okay, what day is it? I don't remember. And by the time I figure out what day it is, I see what I'm supposed to do that day. And I that's try your and purpose right now. That's yeah. your purpose right now. Yeah. My purpose right now. But I think what I really needed to do is tell myself and my husband from the beginning, if we miss it, it's fine. Like just, just keep going. Um, and I think that was integral because then it took the pressure off, but also gave me mm -hmm. something to do. Um, I don't know. That, that's so would you say that, can I ask you a question? Would you say that that was you being self-compassionate about giving yourself permission to, to not hit a mark? Yeah, I mean, a lot. So even in disaster psychology, what we run into is usually you have a major incident. We we're talking um, tankers blowing up and overflowing or 9-11 or mm. marathon or something like that. And you, yeah. you have to take your own psychology and the psychology of the rest of your emergency response team into account and look out for each other and take breaks, which is really hard if you're in the middle of an emergency. So part mm -hmm. of it, I would say, is my training. But I've never gave myself daily assignments because the longest event I've ever had to deal with was maybe a month long. And I had a bunch of other incident commanders so I could pass the buck, go home, take a nap, take a shower, do my thing. It wasn't a globe. This is, this is something totally different. This is a global. Mm -hmm. um, what do you, what do you think about the idea of, this is just something I've been thinking about with like planning for the future. So you made yourself a schedule, which is brilliant. And I, highly recommend doing that. It's, it'll make everything feel better. It, it just, it just makes everything feel better. We've, we've grown up being probably overscheduled in a lot of ways. So it's very hard to be without that kind of That's the thing. touchstone, miss, that, that anchor. I miss yeah. 60 hour weeks of working, yeah. which I know is bizarre, yeah. but like at this point, it's just like, oh, I need, I need to be go, go, go. And so giving myself yeah. that, that to-do list for the day, not necessarily time to an hour, um, I don't know. It's it's keeping me going, at least this. Well, week. what about this though? Scheduling also complete downtime or not spa days. That's not the right word. But do you understand what I'm trying to get at? So you know, I do notice that like I'm like, well, it doesn't matter that it's the weekend because every day is like the weekend, but it isn't. You know, it's important to keep that kind of rhythm. I think that people's rhythms have been gotten off. So I'm curious about. You know, you're like scheduling the chores. I think it's also important to make a distinction between you're on duty. Otherwise, because if you're working from home, it's really hard to turn it off. You know, you're either you're kind of, it all bleeds together in a way that didn't we used to have much more of a separation unless you already worked at home. But even still, it was a different schedule for you. And, and I know that for a lot of people with young children, they dropped their kids wherever they dropped them. And then they, they were able to just focus. Yeah. singularly on their work. In, in a weird so, way, I definitely thought I was ahead of the curve because they did work from home for so long. Um, mm. You're exactly right. I would, you know, everybody was up at a certain time so I could get my daughter to daycare, my husband could go to work, and then I had the house to myself. And, you know, when I was taking breaks from work, I could do some house stuff and like deal with whatever I had to deal with. Um, so it's very easy for everything to feel like a weekend. Um, and <laughs> when I made that 
that seven day week schedule is when my husband and I decided, okay, we're going to alternate who gets to sleep in what days, who gets to wake up with the baby. Oh, that's right. Um, yes, yes. He had a very traditional, you know, eight to five situation. So he pretty much gets to keep that eight to five because um, he's still salary too, which we're very fortunate about. But you know, he's mm-hmm. got to get as much as he can working. So of course he takes breaks. Of course we all have lunch together. And of course he's still in the house. Um, but that means me, since I am more flexible, I tend to work during nap. Um, or when, when you and I meet at seven thirty in the morning, once a week, uh, you know, that's the day he, wakes up. <laughs> um, and then just because of what I do, I tend to work weekends. Um, but that, that's, yeah. That took a while for us to figure out, and it's still taking adjustments, which I think you've mentioned. Um, you ca- you can't like lock it in; it's just not going to work. You can't. Now you have to be flexible. It's important to be flexible. And honestly, I there's so much tragedy and there's so much suffering, and yet part of me thinks how interesting we have this opportunity to become more flexible, become more in some ways rooted in and who it is we're trying to be in the world we don't have that people can get really uh comfortable or almost falling asleep in their routines i'm not saying you do that or whatever but i think that you know it's very easy for people to get into their routines and they're just kind of like that is their life that's not really their life that's the expression that they have adopted of their life but it's i i would i would posit that that's not their actual life and that the actual life that we're having to recreate right now is going to be much more based in what strengths are going to have to come forward that we didn't get to use every day because our lives that were so kind of safe or routine didn't require it. But now it's going to require, it's going to require us, it's going to require all of us, all of us of ourselves. I'm not talking about all of the other people, but all of ourselves bringing this to bear. So how do you, what have you found? Are you feeling like you've found a, a rhythm, a comfortable rhythm for, you know, interacting with your daughter, but also, and your husband, but also having time for yourself or your, you know, your business? Um, you know, it's got, it's good days and it's bad days and it's good hours and it's bad hours. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it's, as I was saying, like, it's not, it's not new, but it's also very new. Cause like, I've mm. trained for this, but not on this scale. And I think that mm. a lot of people who've never even trained for this um, got kind of thrown in the deep end as soon as the pandemic hit. Um, and people mm-hmm. who have trained for this, like a bunch of my emergency management friends, you know, we're starting to realize, okay, um, I, I know I'm concerned about societal complacency because this is looking like a new normal, whether or not it's mm-hmm. normal, it's going to be over eventually, but Uh, Once we get complacent, once we start seeing all of our efforts actually paying off, we're going to start seeing the lifting of um, closing businesses, which um, some states are seeing, you know, things are going back to normal. And uh, I think it's not going to be good. So I know for me, just because of how I operate, we have a contingency plan and we've had it set up for months now. So uh, if my husband and I get sick, Luckily, we're both low risk. Um, We know that we have a family member who can pick up my daughter so that, you know, she can hopefully not get sick, but also get the attention she needs. And we would just have to figure out how to take care of each other. Um, 
That's, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. I think there are a lot of people who are afraid to think that way. I think it's too scary to them to go that next step of like, well, we'll just do everything I can, we can, so nothing happens. Yeah, but you have to plan for what, what if it does? Yeah. What if it does happen? It, it, it comes to you in whatever form it takes for you. So yeah, that's, that's really smart. Good job. <laughs> that's planning is planning <laughs> I'm a planner. Um, but that's why um, I, I will only get takeout from uh, Bali Cravings because I know for a mm -hmm. fact they are the only ones, as far as I know at least, um, in Ithaca that have a cleaning procedure specific to COVID yes. and a contactless pickup specific to COVID. Um, I'm really not comfortable with the rest of the, you know, delivery systems and everything else because there, there are no standards in place. Um, and it's not yeah. nobody's trying. It's because nobody really knows what they're, it's not something that people are used to. It's true. And I think that there are, I've experienced this in just some of my interactions that there's a, there's, there are varying degrees of resistance, not from the, not from the business owners necessarily, but from some of the customers who are not always compliant. And I hear that from both of my daughters who in um, food service, they experience customers who are reluctant to do uh, the safety protocols that are required by the state, by the way. They're not just required by their particular places of employment. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm impressed with how polite they've been to people when they've shared their stories because I don't think I'd be that polite, but that's all right. Um, I was going to ask you too, have you noticed the difference um, I've noticed this. It's something that I struggled with and had to come to terms with in my own self before I think I could help other people, which is always the way it is. Um, I'm a strategic thinker too. I spent, a, I feel like we really got stuff in place very quickly. And I also consulted with you for your expertise about how to set up safety protocols for our family. But that's all very intellectual. And I'm much more comfortable planning my way around this than having to experience some of the feelings that have come up for me and come up for many people I know. I know people with children who are so heartbroken about school, especially seniors and athletes. And I've been so heartbroken about some of the events and um, activities that I'm not able to share with my loved ones that have been mainstays of our connection. And so it just, I, I've been reluctant to have those feelings because I just didn't want to face them. I was strategic in my planning. And, and when I talk to people about this, it's, it's similar. That's the part where it kind of all falls apart in some ways, or people don't want to express that, or if they do, or they're afraid to, I don't know, what's your experience with the emotional um, impact? Okay. That's why you're here right now. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I've become very familiar with AEDP psychology as of late, which is almost entirely about actually feeling the moment. And it's, it's yeah. hard. Um, it's mm -hmm. definitely not easy. But what I, what I've learned is that if you allow yourself to feel the horrible feeling and cry, which is mm -hmm. I do easily, um, you actually get past it. It's, it's, mm -hmm. um, it's not something I was ever very used to. Um, but that's, that's kind of one of those things I wanted to talk to you about are like, what are these 
ways that we can let it all like I know I just I like fell to pieces last week because you know business and I still haven't figured out the uh, unemployment stuff and the pandemic assistance and you know I can't see my family which sucks and my daughter is clearly missing school she cries after the like daycare zoom meetings are over because she just doesn't want to say goodbye Um, so like what do we what would you're like you're the happiest person I know what are we supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, the way that the way that I well, I'm not the happiest person you know. I think I'm very good at expressing my joy and enthusiasm. And the best way to do that, and I, it's hard to make this analogy, or I'm trying to figure out a better way to explain it. I have to keep two things. One, what you said about going, allowing yourself to feel what you feel in the moment. Um, because I had gotten a little blocked up with some of my grief. I felt because I do positive psychology, because I counsel clients, not counsel, because I help clients, <laughs> they do all the work. Um, and, and I think in people, in my, my own personal life, people depend on my, my warmth and my joy as a sustaining factor. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I think that I was feeling like I wasn't didn't want to face my own grief and disappointment and, and fear, fear and fear about, you know, people I love. And, and so I think that those were very difficult emotions. I was struggling with that. And what was happening is that the more I pushed those away and blocked those, and we all do this, the more difficult I found it to be warm and radiate the warmth and love and joy and light that is always in every single one of us, but it gets blocked up when the stuff gets scary and hard. So it's sad. So I like find ways of releasing that. And, um, and so, yeah, so I did. It's important to know where you're at with things. I journal a lot. That's, that helps me. Um, but you're right, feeling it in the moment. And I think the visceral reaction moving emotions through our bodies again i come back to movement at least tune into where you're feeling it are you feeling it in your in your where so i feel a lot of times i feel grief in my throat and what i find is that when i'm feeling sad and need to cry or upset my throat feels very tight and i feel like almost like i don't even can't even express what i want to express it gets very tight and until i release it with either tears which happen a lot for me and because then once I release it and it's relaxed, then the laughter can come out. It, it gets very, it's a very tied, they're very tied together. You have to be able to feel all of it and allowing yourself to feel all of it. But I think tuning into where it is in your body helps that to, helps to release it. I think that if you're just kind of all, all over the place and don't tune in, like where are you feeling your feelings in your body? Are you feeling your fear in the pit of your stomach? Are you feeling your heart, your chest feels constricted or heavy? It, it's just, it's, it's important to tune into what is your body feeling like and doing kind of like a body scan, really. People do that all the time in meditation and yoga and it really helps. Like where are you feeling this in your body? And then tune into that and ask it. Ask yourself, ask your body wisdom, what does it want to tell you? And whatever it tells you is, is exactly perfect in that moment. Every, every feeling you have is absolutely perfect in that moment. When you were very scared and losing it or, you know, I, I've had so many people say they want to have like, 
a legit two-year-old tantrum. I'm like, I know, right? And honestly, that might be a cool thing to do. Maybe behind your locked door in the bathroom. Who knows? It's Sometimes I, in my biggest, darkest moments, I have gone in the shower because water always feels good and just cried or sobbed or yelled. And I know this sounds weird, but I, for me, for Deborah, that is one of my prescriptions that I will write myself. And, and so, yeah, so taking care of yourself, having good emotional hygiene is critical right now. And so I'm glad that you, that you shared that though, that's where you were feeling and you went and you went, let yourself feel those feelings but I and, and didn't be up above. It's important. So like with the, the body work and visualizing kind of what it feels like, I know I have very, when I, when I was starting to do that, um, when I think of my husband, it's this like lovely jiggly, like orange radiating just sensation. And like, <laughs> I love that there's a color. I love it. Yeah, it's got a color and everything. Um, and um, But I mean, I just want to, you know, elaborate also, like, we are in the middle of a global pandemic, but it's yeah. okay to be joyful about things. I think that's another Absolutely. thing we're having trouble with. Um, okay. Yeah, they feel guilty about how well, they do, well they're doing. I've had several clients. I, I would say... Mm, geez, now that I think about it, it might be universal. Let me think. Yep. I would say every single client that I have, and let's be clear, I'm working with them because there's things about their lives that they want to change and wanted to change prior pre-COVID. Every single one of them, when I check in, are like, they're doing okay. And they express to me, they feel a little guilty. <laughs> they're doing well. And I'm like, it's okay. The world is not COVID. I'm like, it's not going to, you know, be bad, like, if you feel good. Like, there's, the world needs feeling good. The world needs people joyful. And this is the other thing, too, and I was writing in my journal about this this morning also. So glad, because we're having this conversation. Mm. Kind of surprise it. Um, there's an awful lot that's the same. I think that people, myself included, focus on all the changes or, you know, these are the things that we're afraid of now. These are the protocols we need to change and blah, 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 blah. And I don't mean to dismiss any of that. But the reality is there's a still a lot that's the same. You still get that giggly, orangey, glowy feeling about your husband. And that's gonna, that happened before, and it's going to happen during COVID, and it's going to happen after. There's certain things that are just always going to be the same. The birds and nature are just incredible. The flowers are coming up. The moon keeps changing its phases. The sun is very infrequently, but it's out. Those things aren't going to change. Like, I... I love to listen to this kind of music and this music is available. That's not going to change. That's going to be available to me. I was just listening to some music from grassroots today, even though I can't go to grassroots with so much joy and happy memories. And that's still the same. I still like the same foods and I'm making more of them from scratch. It, there's so much the same. My mom is still the same sweet old lady that has dementia that when I talk to her on the phone still says the same stuff. Like some stuff is the same. A lot of it's the same. It's okay. And it's okay to celebrate what's so pleasurable about those things. There's so much pleasure and joy available. We don't have to lay that down. 
You, you mentioned memories and it, you know, we really do need to talk about this for anybody listening who has lost somebody or someone who has mm-hmm. been severely compromised. I know um, in my family, uh, I actually know two people on my step family side who recovered. They're in New York city um, and happily. Oh, can you hear my applause? Um, but for example, my brother, yeah. my brother's a medic. Um, he's exposed every day um, and he's got, yeah three kids and wife at home. So like they're, they're, oh, and then I've got a friend in California and she's pretty sure her family's cat has COVID. Like, so there are like a lot of things to be um, concerned about. But you were talking about kind of thriving on those joyful memories. And I think especially Mm -hmm. now when, should somebody be in the hospital and we really can't be there. Um, I know I, I, my father passed away when I was a teenager and what got me through that was just remembering all the wonderful things we did together. And at least when I was younger, I pushed away all the horrible memories of the very end. Um, now that I'm adult, I realized yeah. I should <clears throat> acknowledge them and, you know, feel them like what we were talking about. But what, what might you suggest to people who are going through this incredible grief and can't even leave their homes to help get that closure? Well, it's going to be different for different people and that doesn't help, but I would say that I don't have a a singular answer for that other than, well, this is going to sound really whatever. I think that love doesn't go away when people pass. And I think that the love that you felt for them and the love that they felt for you continues always. It doesn't go away. It has to change a little bit in its transmission or reception, basically. Um, But the love doesn't go away. And what they loved about you and what you loved about them does not go away either. And so holding that, it's almost... It's, t- it's timeless. I don't want to say it isn't all. It's almost, it's, it's absolutely timeless. Timeless. The love will still be there when you pass. It, it's all there. It's all, it doesn't, it's not created or destroyed. It's always there. And so whatever people can do, and it'll be different for people. Um, for maybe for them, it's the, for me, it was the, the music today. Um, it might be photographs. It might be giving yourself giving your grief a space to not be pushed away and to hold it in, in reverence, in reverence, because our tears and our grief should be exalted as much as our love and our joy. It not should, I hate to say should, but it, it's, it's all actually the same kind of ball. And it's just like a different view, like the view of earth from space. Sometimes it's of North and South America and sometimes it's the other side, but it's all, it's all the same earth. And our, our love and actually our humanity is all the same humanity. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to stay connected to the goodness when you feel overwhelmed with fear and sadness. But the goodness is always there. It doesn't disappear. And I would say that whatever people need to do to look for it and find it and pull it out from underneath the bed, uh, you, whatever your flashlight is, everybody, I'm just a metaphor, speaking of metaphors here, as usual, whatever flashlight you can use to find that, that love, that grounding love, it all comes down to love. It really literally all, it it is all love. It is us wearing masks all over the place that shows our love and our appreciation for one another, for the ones that we love, that we know, 
and the ones that we don't know but we love. I I I know it sounds Pollyanna, but I, I just I really believe that that in the end is what's going to triumph over all of this. It's going to help us remember our humanity. It's going to help us reach out to people who need help. As people are doing, there's so much love being shown right now. Um, I know that's not speaking specifically to people who are in crisis. Um, I do think this is useful, definitely. Um, yeah, no, it's it's certainly hard if you're in crisis, but that's you know that's a grounding feeling that everybody knows and experiences differently. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and I do feel I do feel like there are ways. I just wish we were better as a country, and that doesn't help. This isn't a helpful thought. I just wish we were better as a country at expressing that kind of connectedness and being able to get people what they need, <laughs> whatever it is they need. Do they need mental health support? Do they need whatever? And I do think there are a lot of things being done, um, and we're making it up all as we go along. <laughs> this is very much a very much a work in progress. It's a giant art project. It's very messy right now. So yeah, and I, I don't think know. Also, it's just important to we are all making it up as we go along. Um, you know, even yeah. even someone like myself who I've been consulting on COVID related stuff. I'm pulling from other experiences in hospitals and aerosol transmissions and bloodborne pathogens training and all that. But I haven't dealt with the specific pan I, you know i helped with some swine flu stuff back in the day and those kind of smaller almost pandemic-y type things um but this this is a different ball game for just about everybody so it, and it's hard i think it it pushes us what happens when you're under stress and this is why i'm so interested in positive psychology and the benefits of of whatever is available to us tool-wise and research-wise with positive psychology um, is that when we are under stress, when we're in fight, flight, or freeze, we narrow, we fo our narrow, our focus narrows, it gets very, I want to almost say flattens, it flattens to just like whatever's the most closest, what seems like the thing that will stop whatever that is, whatever that is. And I think that the goal in reducing your stress through breathing, breath work, there are many, many breath techniques that can um, reset your, your, your vagus nerve, gets very like, just is going wild, your lizard brain, it resets it and brings you back down to calm, that center, calm center that I was talking about. That enables you to see possibilities and options. And, and that will help us in the long run as we try to resolve these, these issues and these challenges. It, the calmer we can be, the more open and receptive. And those things come from just kind of dropping down and broadening it. I feel like I feel like when people are stressed, it gets very flat and very it's almost like one dimensional, like a piece of paper. It's like, oh, all the answers are just on this piece of paper. But when you can fill that out with your breath, with your movement, with your connection, with filling your filling your your spirit and your body with breath and joy and light, all of those things are available to us always. It just, it, it, it inflates us to a point of being able to three-dimensionally resolve this and solve this. So I think that that's, that would be my goal. Again, it's, it's back to resilience and what, what can help you be most resilient and, and reduce your stress. And that will enable you to see the possibilities. That'll, that's, that's what's going to help us come up with, oh, 
here's a new way of doing this. Or, and I think a lot of people are already doing that. Some people really thrive on this kind of challenge. <laughs> That's true. Um, so I think we should probably wrap it up, but I do want to okay. plug really quick. Anybody listening who would like to talk to Deborah DeLorenzo, Positive Psychology Life Coaching, can find her website at ithicalifecoaching.com. I will post that um, under the YouTube video as well. Um, but do you have any parting words for us? I think I just want to remind people, this is going to sound so silly, but I don't care. I just hope you just, can you find a way to have some fun? Just like do whatever's fun. Find fun. Fun is still available to us. Fun. COVID hasn't killed all the fun. And even in wartime and even in crisis and even in tragedy. In fact, there's a lot of really funny, dark humor things that I've seen um, the interwebs. So I think it's really important to, to seek joy and seek light. It is there. And the more, the more we raise that vibration in us, the more we raise it in other people. And that, my friends, is good for our immune system. So all of these things I've been talking about, especially finding joy and happiness and stress relief, really help your immune system. And that's the other part of fighting this battle. It's, it's being immune. So that would be my goal. Find, have some fun. Go out and have fun. That's my prescription. And love. Go out and, and have fun while practicing social distancing and wearing a mask. All right, fine. You're absolutely right. Have fun indoors. I don't <laughs> Go in and out, but only if at a safe distance. You're right. Thank you for that. Exactly. See, you're a pro. You're such a pro. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, and thank I'm you. Sure, you know, if we get some input, maybe we'll be able to do this again. But we want to. I'd love that. Thank everybody for listening or watching, and uh, we will be back soon.